Gone in 60 seconds by Anita Bartholomew. The car was in the driveway. The engine was running. The kids were in the back. There never seemed to be a minute to spare, even on Sundays. The Artisone family had been to church in the morning, then came home to change into jeans and head off to a birthday pool party for one of the kids' friends. They had slightly more than 15 minutes to make it. The party was 30 minutes away. Sean Artisone quickly finished wrapping the presents. Sean's husband Tom, whose warm, open smile made him look younger than his 36 years, pulled up the address on the sat-nav unit of his sporty new Honda, while Sean, 35, buckled the boys into the back seat. Luke, 4, with short, dark hair and dimples, was a miniature version of his brother Andrew, three years older. As Tom backed out of the two-car garage onto the wide, paved driveway, Sean asked if he'd packed his swimsuit. He hadn't. Go and get it, she said. You may have to get in the water. She and the boys would wait in the idling car. But when Tom didn't return immediately, Sean realised he must have been rummaging round upstairs in the bedroom, not knowing that after the last swim party, she had stashed the bag with his trunks in the downstairs hall cupboard. Sean decided to dash in and get the bag. Sit tight, she told the boys. The cupboard was just inside the entrance to the house, so she didn't take her handbag or bother to shut the car door. She'd be back in seconds. Andrew, holding his Star Wars lightsaber, asked his mother to bring one for his little brother. No time, she told him. We're running late. It was 1.45pm and a cold, bright winter afternoon in Indianapolis. The suburb where they lived comprised newer family homes, nice lawns and friendly neighbours. Got it, Sean called upstairs to Tom as she retrieved the bag from the cupboard and turned to go back outside. Just then, the phone rang in the big kitchen at the back of the house. We don't have time to answer that, Tom said, running down the stairs. Sean checked the caller ID, but resisted the urge to pick up, and the two of them hurried out. They were exiting through the garage when Sean heard the Honda's door slam shut and his engine rev up. Had Andrew climbed into the driver's seat and somehow stepped on the accelerator? Sean's SUV, still parked in the garage, blocked their view. But as they stepped around it, the Artisones saw the Honda backing out of the driveway. A young man, a complete stranger, was behind the wheel. He stared right at them, but didn't stop. Oh my God, Sean screamed. No, no, the kids, the kids. Tom Artisone sprinted towards the car. Stop, stop, he yelled, trying to block the way with his body. He couldn't open the doors. Once in gear, the car's child-safe doors locked. The stranger in his car swung it around and raced off. Sean was frozen with fright, but Tom charged back into the house to get the keys to Sean's car that were on the kitchen table. By the time he got back outside, the Honda was out of sight. But as he started the SUV, the stolen car came roaring back down the street. The thief must not have known the way out of the estate. Call 911, Tom shouted to Sean, then took off after the carjacker. Gunning the engine, he reached the intersection of Antelope Lane and Lafayette Road in record time. He glanced right. No sign of them. He looked to the left. There they were, almost a kilometre away and disappearing fast. Dialing 911 on his mobile, he gave the police dispatcher the details. My car's been stolen, he yelled. My kids are in the back seat. I'm heading south on Lafayette. I'm chasing after them. 
Tom's car was equipped with Bluetooth wireless for hands-free use of Tom's mobile phone. He didn't know it, but his call from the pursuing car was within range and activated the system in the Honda. Strapped into his booster chair behind the bad man, Andrew suddenly heard a recording on the speakers. Dialing 911, it said. Then a police emergency operator came on. 911, what do you need? Next, he heard his daddy's voice telling the operator what was happening. The driver heard it too and said a bad word. Frightened but brave enough to fight back, the little boy raised his plastic lightsaber as high over his head as he could inside the car. But the thief glanced in the rearview mirror and saw the child with the make-believe weapon. If you hit me with that thing, kid, I'll shoot you, he said. Sean stood helplessly holding her cordless phone. I've got to pull it together, she told herself. I can't be hysterical. I've got to tell them what's happening. She deliberately punched in the numbers. 911, what's your emergency? As calmly as she could, Sean recited her address, the names and ages of her children, and that they were in her car which had been stolen. She told them the car's model, colour and registration number. They were heading east on Antelope Lane. Okay, ma'am, hold on. Waiting for the dispatcher to return, Sean broke down. Dear God, she prayed silently. Please help us. Help them. Protect them. Then the 911 operator came back on the line. Ma'am, hold on. We think your children have tried to dial 911. I can hear them screaming in the car. How was that possible? Terrifying images collided in her mind, one after another. Had the thief hurt them? Shot them? Pushing the SUV to its limit, Tom kept the Honda, at times going over 150 kilometres per hour, in sight. As it reached the corner at Shanghai Road, Tom heard the screech of brakes. The carjacker veered suddenly, peeling off across the two-lane road, and came to a stop on the shoulder, facing right into oncoming traffic. The thief leapt out and ran towards a green Ford idling by the side of the road. The driver of that car, Tom soon realised, must be an accomplice. For the first time, he got a good look at the person who'd taken his children. He was tall and gangly, no more than a teenager. The desperate father tore across the road to position his car between the Honda and the four-wheel drive of the accomplice. He'd blocked them, he thought. If they tried to get back to the car where his kids were, they'd have to go through him. But he hadn't counted on what happened next. The carjacker reached into the waistband of his trousers and pulled out a black handgun. He fired three times in rapid succession. The first shot tore through the SUV's passenger door and kept going, boring through the centre console, glancing off a tin of mints, then exploding out the other side. The slug struck Tom in his right side and exited on the left, several centimetres below his waist. The shock of the bullet tearing through his flesh felt almost like a punch. Or maybe he was so pumped with adrenaline that the pain simply didn't register. The second shot pierced the SUV's rear passenger door panel. The third shot blew out a tyre. Tom hit the accelerator hard, squealing down a side road about ten metres past the shooter. He watched in the rearview mirror. Would they come after him? A split second later, the green Ford sped past behind him on the main road. Tom threw his SUV in reverse and wheeled back to his boys. 
Sean Artisone had been on the line with the 911 operator since Tom first took off after the carjacker. When she finally hung up, another call came through. You don't know me, a female voice said. Your children are okay. They're with me. Your husband has been in an accident. They're taking him to the hospital. The caller explained that she had been driving and had seen the Artisone's two cars nose to nose on the hard shoulder. She stopped to offer help. The woman said a policeman was on his way to pick Sean up, and sure enough, moments later, a police car arrived at the house. The corner of Lafayette Road and Shanghai Road was fenced off with strips of yellow crime scene tape. A host of police vehicles, blue and red lights flashing, surrounded the area, and police were everywhere. Behind the tape, Sean could see her boys, but the officer who had driven her to the scene asked her to wait. Another deputy came up to her and told her Tom had been shot and taken to the hospital. They had no word yet on his condition. To her great relief, not long after that, Tom called her. He was all right. The bullet hadn't hit his vital organs. He expected to be released shortly. Sean watched from a distance as Andrew talked calmly to a detective, answering his questions with poise and care. He looked like such a little man, brave, just like his dad. Finally, both boys were in her arms in the back seat of a police car. All three of them were crying, but they were safe. It was not quite over, though. The suspected driver of the green Ford, which had been stolen just days earlier, was captured that afternoon not far from Antelope Lane. The alleged carjacker, a 17-year-old, eluded police for four weeks. When finally caught, police say, he was driving another stolen vehicle. He was also charged with possession of a 9mm Black Luger handgun. Both he and the other man were charged as adults. The Artisans say their experience should remind parents that you can't leave your kids alone in a car, even in your own driveway, for just a minute. That minute, Sean says, could turn out to be a nightmare. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.